Here's what's coming up on today's show. At the end of the day, you need to be one of those who gets it and knows that we can't be stuck in this credit card debt paying 25%. And if you are, well, let's make a plan. Let's get you out of debt. Make sure your retirement can stand up to anything that comes its way. It's time for Badass Retirement. How to be financially fearless with Jose Sanchez, CFP. It's time to be badass here on Badass Retirement. How to be financially fearless with Jose Sanchez, certified financial planner, and myself talking about picking some sides on important financial debates. Now, financial advisors tend to say it depends a lot because it really does, right? Um, But there's a lot of universal things that affect us all, and there's some pretty hot debates out there about some of these topics. So we're going to get Jose's take on this and see how how he feels. Does he fall on one side or the other, or is it a truly a depends kind of situation? Jose, my friend, what's going on? How you doing? It's going good. And, uh, you know, I think that what are we on episode number nine, number ten? We're, we're uh, yeah, somewhere that, in there. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, we're approaching that uh, double digits, and that's quite a, an accomplishment for any podcast, I think. And uh, yeah, thank you for jer- being along with me on the journey. Absolutely, yeah. So these debates, um, you know, we're going to get into these. They, they they're stuff that you definitely have heard. I'm quite sure, and many of the listeners are going to have heard and, and are feeling as well. So, but I know one thing that's not up for debate is that you like to have your coffee when we do these. So, are you fully equipped and ready to rock? Kona coffee is the only way to go. And uh, I think that uh, anybody else who enjoys coffee like I do, I'm looking forward to us sharing a cup of coffee. There you go. And you can uh, check out uh, one of Jose's favorite places, which is Badass Kona Coffee there in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, Check that out if you like some good coffee. So, Uh, All right, let's get into these. Uh, The house. To pay off the house or not to pay off the house, that is the question. I think paying off the house makes a lot of sense for a lot of people, but it mathematically may not make sense. We talked a little bit about this in a previous podcast, but you know the math doesn't always line up with your values and what you want to accomplish. I know some individuals that are so proud of the fact that they are paying off their house that we go out there and we celebrate. We offer to throw a bonfire and help them pulverize <laughs> and burn that Final statement, right? And, yeah. and uh, the amortization schedule. And uh, that's quite an accomplishment. But I also think that it stems from our relationship with money. Our parents may have put high value on paying off your house. Well, if you go back to their experience, interest rates for mortgages were in the double digits. And that is significant compared to what they are now in the low single digits. So mathematically, often it doesn't make sense. But from a value standpoint, I'm always going to put a lot of weight on the value standpoint. So if it's a strong value, it makes you feel good. And at the end of the day, it helps reduce stress. Yeah, absolutely. Pay off that house. Yeah. And I, and I should have put in there, pay it off as early as possible. That's the debate. Because uh, somebody's listening to me like, well, duh, of course I'm going to pay off my house. <laughs> Eventually, we're all going to pay off our <laughs> house. But uh, I left off the pay it off as soon as we can, a portion of that. And that's where the debate comes in. Some people want to get rid of it ASAP because it just makes them feel better. Some are fine with their mortgage payment into retirement as long as the math makes sense. So yeah. When we look at that, right, there are two paths, right? And often those two paths lead to your destination, your goal. And one provides a little bit more cash flow when you pay off the house. The other one provides a little bit more opportunity that you can utilize and maybe invest or do something else with that money. So you have two paths that are going to get you towards ultimately improving your overall net worth. They're both 
positive. But I think, again, going back to your values is going to be the area that I'm going to strongly lean towards. And I'm a big advocate of paying off debt. Okay. All right. And again, I'm taking these statements here that these are statements that we tend to see in the industry in general. Um, so they're not meant to be a, you know, uh, any one way or the other. That's why we're going to debate them a little bit. So the next one is life insurance. Nobody needs life insurance once they've retired. We, we hear this a lot because we think of it as a young man's tool or a younger, you know, middle age kind of tool when we have our family and a job and same thing happens to us. But as a retiree, we've kind of grown up with this conditioning that life insurance isn't needed once we're a certain age. Ha, tell that to the life insurance salesman. They're going to tell you that you need life insurance always. Right. And so being a former life insurance agent, I think that there are very uh, crucial needs for life insurance and often term insurance, especially in your working years as you're growing your family, as your family is still a big part of the uh, calculation uh, in in your overall need, then uh, you know there's a big need for large amounts of low cost term insurance. Uh, when it comes to the time frame of retirement, if you're fortunate enough to to not have these kids that kind of come back, I've heard them referred to as boomerang kids. Mm-hmm. But if it's just you and your spouse or just you in retirement, there might not be so much of a need for life insurance. Uh, however, however, there might be a want, a desire to leave a legacy. There might be a need for something that is going to affect the majority of retirees. I think the statistics show about 70% will have a long-term care need in retirement. Certain life insurance policies can be utilized to address that long-term care need, as well as a potentially utilizing equity in your home or other resource, other assets. There are a lot of ideas that you can possibly utilize for uh, long-term care, but life insurance, to go out there and purchase it just for the nicety of having life insurance, I don't think resonates strongly with me. But there are a lot of purposeful ways you can utilize life insurance beyond the need. If there's no longer a need in retirement, there might be a want, a desire, a legacy tool, a tax planning strategy tool Mm -hmm. that we talked about, I think, in episode three. And uh, life insurance is a fabulous tool, but it's not free. And to get the proceeds, often you have to die to get it. So that's a little bit of a morbid conversation. Well, and I think that's there's a a lot of the breakdown of these these statements are going to be in in the verbiage, right? Need, right? You know, it's like, well, nobody needs. Okay, well, that's that's a bit of a blanket statement. So I think you highlighted some great places as to where it might be a useful tool, uh, d- depending on what you're trying to accomplish. So again, that's gonna that's kind of that breakdown of the financial debate. Um, speaking of advisors, so let's talk about the the conversation of well, it's better off you're better off kind of having a a fee-based advisor instead of a commission-based broker. And you easily could make that argument to say, sure, that makes sense. But if you're 25, maybe a commission-based broker is all you need at that point because you're just getting in and out of the stock. You know, you're just buying some stocks or something like that versus maybe being older and needing a fee-based advisor. What's your thoughts? This is really interesting conversation. And I would say, which is better? I would say neither. Okay. And I'm a little I'm a little bit uh, uh, unique and I'm also biased in this situation. I'm a fee only advisor mm. and when I suggest or strongly recommend and insist that you have life insurance or that you need a product, I am not receiving a commission, I'm not receiving compensation on that product. You and I we engage in a contract where 
you pay me a fee. That fee is known. Often it is a flat fee. So it's very predictable and understanding that you know exactly what that fee is going to be. And that's the compensation that I receive. So I would say in this case, neither. A okay. fee-based advisor often will wear the hat of fiduciary one day and then the salesperson the next day. And that's kind of a little bit challenging. The commission-based broker was something that I think is a little bit archaic uh, in today's accessibility to be able to use a phone app or a computer app to access stocks, bonds, ETFs, mutual funds, and the like. I think there's a, uh, uh, a very savvy community that um, really can utilize good information or maybe just hiring a fee-only advisor to help you and be that spot in your blind spot. So that way you can make those purchases on your own. And often that's better for both parties. Okay, nice. I like it. That's the hope. That's the point of having a conversation, doing the podcast, and having a little debate about these things. So, uh, good information here today on the show. Um, I got to drop the A word here, uh, Jose. We got to <laughs> we got to go annuities. And the statement a lot of times is, "Ah, don't talk to me about annuities. They're a ripoff." Right? You know, it's it's so interesting. The A word is is uh, it's it polarizing. Is, is <laughs> polarizing, but you know what? Let me draw back to, you know, 10 plus years ago when my wife and I, before we had kids, we decided to raise chickens, right? And we just thought it was kind of cool. What I didn't know was that there are so many varieties of chicken breeds. It's (laughs) amazing, right? I think in existence, there are hundreds of different types of chickens. I just thought there were just maybe a few. A few, yeah. The one on the cartoon. Yeah. I thought there was like a white chicken and a red chicken, right? You know, and uh, but then yeah, there's the fluffy feet chicken, and there's all kinds of chickens. Yeah, yeah, and then there's the uh, the rabbit chicken that lays eggs up during Easter and and uh, makes candy and so forth. <laughs> exactly. There you go. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, there are a lot of varieties of different chickens, and there are a lot of varieties of annuities. So mm-hmm. annuities are are ripoffs. As a blanket statement, is incorrect. It's like any other tool that's out there. And being a fee-only advisor, I am uniquely positioned to help my clients understand all the different tools that are out there. So when we think about annuities, they're kind of like chickens, right? Some are great for egg laying. Some are great for meat and consumption. Others are great for just looking pretty. And sometimes for some people, they just like to see that beautiful bird that's out there. And by the way, not all chickens are beautiful, but some are just amazingly gorgeous. Yeah. When we go back to annuities, I think about two things, right? Number one, I like to focus on the return of the client's money, the return of your money. When will you get 100% of what you put in back? Often with deferred income annuities, and they get a lot of attention, deferred income annuities, you don't get 100% of your money back until like the 14th, 15th plus year. And that may be great, right? And it's often a great tool for longevity reasons, but that's a long time to part with your money if that doesn't align with your financial plan. So number one, focus on the return of your money amongst everything else. Number two, does it work equally or better than the other alternatives? And let me give you an example here where, you know, in the 80s, CDs were great, right? They're paying double digits and CD laddering was an awesome tool. I think often, when I talk to individuals who went through that period, they would love to utilize a CD ladder. Right now, CDs, I think, are paying right around or less than 1%, not very attractive. Now, there's an annuity, multi-year guaranteed annuity, that acts very similar to 
a CD, right? Could be three years, four years, five years, and could be utilized as the same tool. Those multi-year guaranteed annuities can be a tool to help you define your plan, often be utilized as part of that retirement war chest that gives you confidence and peace of mind. And so, you know, those are just two types of annuities, two types of chickens that we talked about that gives us some idea that, you know, the annuity world is robust. Yeah. Yeah. It goes back to working on your plan and making sure that your plan will work. There's several paths that your plan can take. Having the different tools and understanding how they work together is is something that is, uh, that is needed. Now, let me add one more thing here with annuities because annuities, both my parents were teachers and often I think annuities started as a retirement tool for teachers, tax shelter annuities, TSA, and, and so forth. The problem with annuities in retirement plans is like having an umbrella inside a building. It doesn't make sense. And you're going to look silly for having that annuity inside the building if you're in the accumulation phase. When we talk about annuities in the retirement phase, there's academic information that shows how well they work and they're not the best thing. Nothing is the best thing, but they show how well they work and the confidence that they can provide. And often that improves the overall plan. So, you know, annuities are not a ripoff, but, you know, annuity sales individuals often promise more than what can actually be delivered. And they don't tell you that you have to wait 14 plus years to get your money back. We'll be right back to today's show in a moment. But if you're enjoying the content so far, be sure to grab copies of Jose's books. The seven most powerful words, which will teach you one simple hack to master negotiation and save money. Leaving the lab, learning a central money tool so you don't nuke your retirement. And diffuse the seven steps to protecting your 401k from the ticking tax time bomb. These books plus other special items to help you prepare for retirement are all part of Jose's Ultimate Retirement Toolkit. You can get the toolkit for free by visiting the link in the show notes of today's episode or click the Journey Starts Here button on our website, josevsanchez.com. You know, since we like to drop a lot of interesting information here on the podcast, there are more than 1,600 different chicken breeds (laughs) recognized (laughs) uh, around the world. However, I think we tend to think of the three types of chicken, which are laying meat producing and dual purpose. So that's where maybe some of that confusion comes in. But yeah, 1600 different chicken breeds around the world. So a lot of chicken. That is a, that is amazing and and as a fee only advisor, right? When we take it back to to product, right? I don't sell anything. So I feel like I give my clients an unfair advantage because I can show them the different options whether it's commission based or not commission based. And when you look at those non-commission based products that are out there that salesmen aren't going to sell. There's often a a benefit to the consumer. Yeah. And yeah. often that will make a huge difference on whether that annuity is ho-hum or wow, this is really going to work well. Whether it's the best chicken you've ever had or the worst chicken you've ever had. So, uh, <laughs> All right, let's do a see if we can squeeze a couple more in here before we wrap it up this week, Jose. Um, the lower tax bracket conversation, you know, we, we've heard this forever. You will be in a lower tax bracket in retirement. So just go ahead and defer those taxes and pay them later. Well, that's, that's how we've all been brought up for the last 30, 40 years, right? So you and I are in our 50s. We go to work. We get a job. We pump into the 401k. And when we get to retirement, we're going to be in a lower tax bracket. But I talk to advisors all over the country, and that's not the case more times than not. Yeah, we refer that to as conventional financial wisdom. 
And we talk about this in our uh, retirement uh, foundations class. And the reality is that we have high inflation and we also have enormous amount of debt that our government has to figure out. And so the likelihood that tax brackets are going to increase, I think, resonates strongly from the idea that what we'll end up doing is probably a combination of raising taxes and dealing with inflation. We're already dealing with inflation. We're also going to likely see taxes increase. So the idea that retirees are going to be paying less in taxes, we know in 2026, they're going to go up if Congress does nothing. And they're going to go back and revert to what they were in 2017. Now, if we look at the reality of most retirees, well, they no longer have these tax write-offs, these tax credits that they once had when they were in their working years. So they might be making less. And that idea that making less, you'll pay less taxes. Well, that might not be true because of taxes increasing, as well as not having the deductions that we once had when we had a interest deduction on our mortgage that we paid off. Yeah. And I think a lot of times it's it's an old wisdom that, and even, even not in the current environment that we're in right now, even the last couple of years before this inflation, uh, again, advisors have been saying that for a while now, because you start taking out when you start taking out those distributions and the RMDs, they can kick you up into a higher tax bracket or you're pulling uh, enough money to maintain the lifestyle. And it's so it's a, just a bit of a misnomer that you're going to be automatically in a lower tax bracket. You might, but it's not an automatic given. So you definitely got to have that strategy in place to see uh, where you're going to fall on that. Uh, let's see if we can at least squeeze one, at least one more in here. Uh, we'll do one that's kind of a silly statement, I think, anyway. We'll see what you think, Jose. Uh, you should never use credit cards. They're bad and it's bad debt, right? This, it's got to depend on the individual. If you know you're a spin-happy you know, knucklehead that this is going to get you in trouble, then yeah, maybe a credit card is a bad idea. But for many people, it's a very useful tool. The advice is a little bit archaic. And, and you know, early on when Dave Ramsey, he didn't invent this idea, but he certainly championed it uh-huh. and you know, always use cash. Well, now we've gone through COVID and cash is not as clean as we would like it to be, right? It can help spread germs and so forth. So utilizing a debit card or a check card is part of the normal process of everyday consumer living. Now, when we look at the credit card benefits, you know, should we never use it? Well, that depends on how responsible you are, right? Yeah, if exactly. you are stuck in debt, if you can't get out of debt, if you're abusing that credit card, then absolutely put in the freezer use the scissors, go on the Dave Ramsey show, whatever you need to do. Right. And individuals like myself can help walk you through that on your options and what you should do and hold you accountable for it. But you know, to blanket statement, no, never use credit cards, I think is not realistic. And it's often stupid advice because we live in yeah. a world that our credit score matters, right? And having a good credit score means that you have to have credit utilization. And one of the best ways to have credit utilization is to utilize your credit card with responsibility and pay that off often, never allow the balance to go up certain percentages, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, and you'll be okay. Now we can dive into the nuts and bolts on what you should do in those percentages. But you know, at the end of the day, I'm a big advocate of utilizing credit cards and utilizing points and having fun with that. Uh, but also, no, and there's a great um, a great show, I think, on uh, either Netflix or, or Hulu or something like that. 
that talks about credit card usage. And really, you know, the credit card industry knows that a lot of us are going to misuse yep. mm-hmm. and abuse credit cards. There are those people who get it and those people don't. At the end of the day, you need to be one of those who gets it and knows that we can't be stuck in this credit card debt paying 25%. And if you are, well, let's make a plan. Let's get you out of debt. Yeah. And I think a lot of that changes over time too, right? So early on, you know, when we're younger, you know, we're like, woohoo, I can get some things and I've got plenty of time to pay for it. And we don't think about the percentage rates and how much it's kicking our butt. But as we get older, I think we can be, we've learned, we've got some life experience in there. So again, you made a great point. At the end of the day, it comes down to knowing yourself and are you capable of using it wisely? And that's with any financial product or are you going to abuse it, right? So uh, if you can answer that question, then it goes a long way towards really any of these conversation pieces that we had this week on the podcast. And as Jose said, if you've got questions about any of this stuff, or if you need some help, or you find yourself in this situation, then definitely reach out to him. Uh, we had one more, but I think we've touched on it before a number of times. So we'll, we'll just kind of knock it out real fast. But that's just turning social security on as early as possible before it runs out of money. We've all we've heard these conversations about a million times. Uh, no one knows what the future of Social Security is going to be. So making that the only reason you turn it on is probably silly. I think that if you are thinking about turning on Social Security early, you are counting on the idea that you're not going to get the most out of the system. You're not going to get the most of, out of what you put in. Yeah. And if you're okay with that, then... Or if you just if need it, right? I mean, if you just need it, you just need it. It's understandable, right? Yeah. If it's something that you need that fits in your plan and it works, then great. But if you want to maximize Social Security and Social Security benefits, and if you're married, right? Married couples, pay attention here. Males, pay attention here because... If you want to give a loving gift from the grave, you want to maximize Social Security. And what I mean by that is us males, we die a lot sooner than our female counterparts. And if you are the higher earner, your spouse will be able to receive your Social Security benefits or have the option of the two that are higher. And often, you know, that is something that needs to be calculated and understood, especially if you just are like me and and understand that it is likely that my spouse will outlive me and mm-hmm. I should go mm-hmm. ahead and maximize my social security benefits so that way she can have a more fruitful social security benefit income stream. Yep, exactly. So yeah, I mean, it, the, turning it on for the sake of just turning it on because you, it's going broke uh, is not the uh, it's not the way to view that conversation. Turning it on when you when you need to and makes the most sense for you, that's the way you want to handle that conversation debate, not just because, you know, something you read on a on a headline or something like that. So, yep. that's a uh, clickbait. That there you go. There you go. That's our podcast this week on uh, some of these debatable items on there. We can hopefully give you a few uh, useful nuggets to think about. And as always, if you've got some questions, how it's going to relate, you know, relate or affect you specifically, that's where you come in to sit down with a qualified professional like Jose, uh, a certified financial planner. So do yourself a favor if you're not working with an advisor, you know, talk to one. It doesn't have to be Jose, but obviously we're talking the podcast. If you'd like to, he's here to help. So you know that is the point of it. You're already working with him, maybe that's fantastic as well. But if you got questions, definitely talk with a qualified pro before you take any action. And of course, you can find him at josevsanchez.com. That's josevsanchez.com. You can schedule a quick start meeting right there on the website and you can subscribe to the podcast and all that good stuff. So check it out, josevsanchez.com. This is Badass Retirement, How to Be Financially Fearless. Jose, thanks for hanging out, my friend. Absolutely. And I just want to go ahead and uh, just 
have a little bit of fun with this. I have some gift cards for mm. badass coffee here in Albuquerque. So if anybody sends me an email and asks a question about the podcast, uh, you know, we have a couple of uh, gift cards I like to share and I like to go ahead and reward good behavior. And so, um, you know, let's go ahead and do that. Send me an email to info, I-N-F-O at Jose, J-O-S-E, B as in Victor, Sanchez, JoseVSanchez.com. Again, that's info at JoseVSanchez.com. Fantastic. Awesome. I want to send one in. I, I don't qualify though. So <laughs> we'll see you next time here on the program. Grab you a gift card there to Badass Coffee, and we'll catch you next time here on the podcast. Investment advisory services offered through Retirement Wealth Guidance LLC, a registered investment advisor. All comments made during this podcast do not constitute specific investment, legal, or tax advice. Have a wonderful day, and God bless.